You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and on today's show, the king of wrong, John Kegley, one of the original members of this show, is on with us. And this football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become as strong as Justin Herbert, the king of Pepsi Zero Sugar. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, and we've been covering the Chargers together for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, if you follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC, you know that the Tuesday show today is going to be a little bit different because of the extent of the Chargers' failures on Sunday. We will be not doing a What Went Right segment on today's show. We usually do What Went Wrong with our expert, John Kegley, and then we do What Went Right to try to find a silver lining. But from a 45-0 beatdown, that becomes a little bit more difficult. So today, instead, what we're going to do is going to get into what went wrong and talk about all of the things and all the dysfunction from Sunday's game. And then to wrap up the show... We're going to take a look at the last four games of the season and talk about what the Chargers can get out of these last four games. Now that they're not in playoff contention, they don't really have anything to gain in that aspect, but is there anything Anthony Lynn can do over the last four games to save his job? Which players have the most to prove? Stuff like that. But we're going to be starting with the news that is basically official now that Anthony Lynn will not be losing his job until the end of the season and also Joey Bosa spoke up a little bit just about some of his frustrations after a game like we saw on Sunday and whether the Chargers have really been put in the best position to succeed. So let's go ahead and get into it. It was reported on Monday that Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn could be safe until the end of the season. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. NFL reporter Ian Rappaport tweeted out on Monday as disappointing as the Patriots loss was no Chargers head coach change is imminent. The organization has a tremendous amount of respect for Anthony Lynn, always has, and would prefer to evaluate everything at the end of the year. So many Chargers fans were looking at Monday as a day where they would finally see the announcement that head coach Anthony Lynn had been fired. But it looks like for now they're going to have to wait until at least the end of the season. Anthony Lynn is under contract through the 2021 season, but this just shows that the Chargers as an organization are not going to fire him mid-season and honestly I think it was a mistake by the team to just have this stance no matter what happens because I think after a game like that there is a point to be made that you need to make a statement David and somebody's head has to roll to show that as an organization you're not going to put up with an embarrassing effort like the 45-0 to route that we saw on Sunday but at the same time I'm not really surprised that they're going to wait and evaluate things after the year is done. No, I'm not surprised either, Daniel. I mean, this is just typically how the Chargers do business. They, you know, if you look at their history, even with, you know, some of the last bad head coaches that the Chargers have had with Mike McCoy and Norv Turner, you know, towards the end of things, 
the Chargers don't really make any end-season changes. It's just not what they do. And I'm sure they're probably not going to want to turn things over to Gus Bradley because he's on his own hot seat. Shane Steichen's a little bit too young. He just got into his offensive coordinator position. Ian Rappaport went on to say in his quote tweet that Anthony Lynn led the Chargers to an AFC best 12-4 and record in 2018. The last two seasons, it hasn't worked out nearly as well. LSE plans to evaluate everything at the end of the year with the full body of work rather than make an in-season decision. You look back at their history, this is just how they do business. The Chargers are an organization that are pretty steadfast in their philosophy, and we've seen them get into battles with players and coaches alike over similar things that have been really tense in the locker room or in the front office or within the coaching staff. And they're just a team that lives by those ideals, and they're not going to fire a head coach in the middle of the season because they don't see the benefit. But I do think there could have been a benefit of them potentially finding someone on this coaching staff to be a new voice for this team to hear and try to finish things out with a rookie quarterback gaining confidence towards the end of the season with a team trying to propel themselves to much less failure in 2021. But Joey Bosa also spoke with the media on Monday, and he really led into something that we haven't seen a lot from these players, which is questioning the coaching staff seemingly a little bit. You had Keenan Allen saying they were confused against the Miami Dolphins, and now Joey Bosa is here, David, kind of wondering whether the Chargers were really going into this game prepared and with the right scheme. Yeah, Joey Bosa is usually a very quiet guy who's kept to himself as more of been a lead-by-example type of guy, go out there and get things done. But this year, he's been much more vocal, and you know that came across again in this press conference that he had when he said, you can be emotionally as ready as possible, but if you're not ready with your scheme and you haven't studied up on these guys, you're going to get beat, especially by the Patriots. Keenan Allen said something similar after the Miami game. So when you get another player coming out there saying that they might not have been you know, doing the right scheme, especially one of your most important players, that is not what you want to hear at all. And then Joey Bosa went on to also talk about Kenneth Murray saying, Kenneth Murray played with a lot of heart out there. Kenneth Murray had a phenomenal game. He had his first sack as a professional and over 12 tackles. He was all over the football field. And then Joey Bosa also had a little bit of hope for the future. He said, we're so close. We have some great players. I think Herbie back there, getting Derwin back and maybe drafting some good players, we could still be a really, really good team. So people forget about Derwin James because he's been gone all year and Drew Tranquil being injured. But those two guys were big, supposed to be big key cogs in the machine that have been out all season so Joey Bosa sees some light at the end of the tunnel hopefully we get to see that as well at this point him being a vocal leader like he is I think is good for these players and I think it's good for them to hear you know him wanting to hold everyone accountable whether that's the coaching staff or the players themselves not going out there and executing he also talked about the special teams players obviously messing up as much as they did in that game and just saying that they have to be better. And he's trying to hold these players accountable and not be the lead-by-example guy that he has been in the past. But for this team, it's going to take a lot more than a rah-rah speech or even just some comments in a press conference to turn things around. But they'll have four more games to try to end the season on a positive note. But we do have two more segments to get into with what went wrong with John Kegley, the expert in all things wrong, before wrapping up the show with what the Chargers can do over the last four games to really find something of value going into the 2021 season. But first, I need to tell you guys that thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. 
Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day, and that's obviously Justin Herbert's favorite drink of choice because he's always winning the Pepsi Rookie of the Week award. And really, you need to get Pepsi to keep you going during Chargers games because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. All right, guys. Well, of course, this week we are not going to be getting into what went right, even though, as David talked about, Joey Bosa has said that Kenneth Murray had a good game, and I would agree. It was nice to see the first-round pick, Kenneth Murray, having a positive impact and making some of those splash plays that we saw a lot from him in college. But that was about it. So really what we have to get into is all of the terrible from Sunday's game and what exactly turned that game into the worst loss in franchise history. So now we go to our expert in all things wrong. Some call him a pessimist. Some say that he sees the glass half empty. I think he's the peak of bleak, to be honest with you. He's the guy that can be the most cynical up from any Chargers win or loss. John Kegley, when you're looking at this Patriots game, what did you think went wrong? Everything. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> it's a perfect answer. But I think the real thing is, Anthony Lynn said in his press conference, we saw it coming and we couldn't stop it. You're telling me you couldn't come up with a game plan the whole week on how to stop something that you knew was coming? You couldn't teach your players that when a big Cam Newton is running at you, you dive at the legs. He's out of the pocket. He's running. You dive at his legs. You're telling me that you couldn't have your guys swarm to the ball like all the Patriots players were doing the whole time? You couldn't draw up a game plan that you knew the Patriots were going to probably blitz the crap out of Justin Herbert, and you couldn't figure out a way to hit a quick pass somewhere. You couldn't confuse the defense somehow, hide a game plan that you haven't used all year. I think that's what went wrong, really. You know it was coming, and you still couldn't fix it. It's got to be the whole entire season in a nutshell. You know your special teams is messed up, and you still haven't fixed it. You know your defense gives up major yards. You still haven't fixed it. Even with tackling problems, you still haven't fixed it. And then you know what the Patriots' offense is going to do. And you somehow cannot game plan for it. I think it's pretty bleak now that maybe it's more than Anthony Lynn. Maybe most of these coaches might have to go. Well, I mean, I think one person, you know, we've talked about improving during the season and kind of have, you know, talked talked about potentially keeping going forward is Shane Steichen. And after that performance, after the performances, you know, against good defenses that we've seen from him, I mean, it's even hard to throw your hat in that ring at this point for him or really anyone. But the funny thing about the game is the Chargers definitely thought the Patriots were going to blitz a lot. I think the Patriots only blitzed four times in that game. So the Patriots didn't really have to rush more than four to get pressure on Justin Herbert. What they did do is they lined a lot of guys up at the line of scrimmage. They confused him. They didn't know which rushers were coming, even though it was only four rushers. And that led to a lot of mistakes behind the Chargers offensive line. This is from Pro Football Focus. The Patriots did a stunt. So basically, they crossed up their rushing patterns. They had guys come around another player to try to rush the quarterback. It's a stunt. Really, what they were just doing is confusing the Chargers offensive line, even though they were only blitzing four. They were stunting a lot during that game. And the Chargers offensive line is obviously something that went very wrong in this game. And I think the most concerning thing, David, like we've talked about a little bit, is just the fact that you had your healthy offensive line out there. Obviously, we're not including Mike Pouncey because he was never involved in the mix. 
going into the season, but you had Brian Bulaga out there. You had Trey Turner out there, and you had everyone except for, I mean, Sam Tevy. I forgot about Sam Tevy, but obviously Storm Norton wasn't all of the problem on Sunday. So I thought for me that was the most concerning part as far as what went wrong with the Chargers offensive line. Yeah, definitely. The Chargers offensive line was not great. I mean, they gave up a lot of, I think, over 20 pressures again for the third straight game. I mean, Justin Herbert was running for his life back there, and it really wasn't because of the blitz. It was just because the offensive line couldn't pick up those stunts that you talked about. So that was a huge concern. I mean, but I think John put it best. I mean, what went wrong is just everything. I mean, every facet of this football game went wrong for the Chargers. Anytime you get blown out by 45 points, and that's the largest deficit in your history. I mean, everything had to go wrong. But I think it's just the game planning. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, you went into this with a plan, and it obviously did not work. And you didn't make any adjustments to that plan. I mean, we talked about the special teams on yesterday's show and how bad that went. The defense got ran all over. They had a terrible red zone defense as well. They allowed another you know slew of touchdowns in the red zone, which, I mean, you gave a great st- stat on yesterday's show where it's, what, like 16 or 17 straight straight trips by an opposing offense in the red zone scoring a touchdown. I mean, that is incredibly, ridiculously unbelievable how that even happened. I mean, the bend but don't break defense, uh, it's just breaking. That's it. Yeah, well, the thing with the Chargers defense in this game is it wasn't even the big plays that killed them. I mean, it really wasn't even a lot of penalties besides, you know, obviously the big one by Jerry Tillery to extend a drive, and obviously that is something – that has to change, especially for a guy like him who is already kind of underproduced for where he was taken. And it's still, you know, unclear whether he can ever get back to that point. But obviously that is all that, you know, all of that stuff went wrong for the Chargers. But the special team stuff in general just upsets me. I know we've already talked about it, but just seeing that bad of special teams just is so frustrating for me to watch along 48.3 yards average per punt return and giving up the touchdown. You have three special teams penalties, and you also have two plays where you only have 10 men on the field during a punt, and you have another play where you have 12 men on the field during a punt. And Anthony Lynn already said he was going to be hands-on with this. Now he's saying he might just be the full-blown special teams coach at this point. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, obviously... Whatever they've been doing just hasn't been working. The guys aren't out there executing. They're undisciplined in their lanes. Hey, you know, this is from Daniel Popper right here. The Chargers special teams yesterday, the worst performance since 2000. They ranked last in EPA among 11,026 single-game team performances right there. I think that kind of nicely wraps up how incredibly historically bad the Chargers special teams was on Sunday against the Patriots. It was, and I mean, that was just obviously one of a few different things that went wrong for the Chargers defense, including just having another team just manhandle you, right? So, I mean, I think that's just more of kind of roster construction thing. Like, you get out physical every game, and you've brought in more speed to this defense. You've done things like that to improve it, but as far as the physicality goes, it's still not there. The Patriots still run for 160-plus yards against you, and you knew it was going to come, but... The other thing, John, that really went wrong for them is just having a guy like you, John Kegley, or a guy that looks like you, and Gunnar Olszewski going off for a you know a touchdown, another big return, and his first offensive touchdown. John, what did that first offensive touchdown feel like? Oh, you know, it was like a dream come true. I've been waiting my whole life for that. It's like I've seen every single pass in practice I've ever caught just coming all down into one. I'm sure. I'm sure it felt great, and I mean, I think it – you know, even if you had to fly you know, and fly all the way to Los Angeles because <laughs> it wasn't even an away game. 
Uh, even if you had to you know, smuggle yourself into LA and uh, pretend to be a Patriot to expose Anthony Lynn and the coaching staff, uh, that's what you're willing to do. Uh, but in real life, though, I mean, the other thing that really bothered me from this game is just obviously I talked about the offensive line, but just getting Herbert crushed in another game. And it just seems like it's happening more and more as they've played some pretty good defenses. But David, obviously some of that could have been avoided by, you know, taking Herbert out towards the end of the game. Once it's 38 to zero, once it's 45 to zero doing it before the Patriots did it. But it's just, this is what we were afraid of when you had a rookie quarterback and they were able to disguise it was them just getting him killed out there. And when you look at some of the bad offensive lines across the league, whether it's the Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater getting hurt, whether it's the Cincinnati Bengals and their, you know, Joe Burrow getting hurt. I mean, the teams that have the bad offensive line are getting their quarterbacks hurt. And Anthony Lynn had some chance to get away with that, but obviously the poor game planning, the poor execution by the offensive line and Anthony Lynn leaving him out there are all reasons that are just concerning to see as someone who it's like, that's your prized possession. You can't let him out there just getting destroyed like that. Well, and he talks to the media and says, you know, I wanted to protect him, but I left him in. What? How, how does that make sense? Uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, at the at that point in the game, the game was over. I mean, obviously, in retrospect, we all know the game was over after the first quarter. But, uh, uh Hello, if you want to actually protect your rookie quarterback, take him out of the damn football game. I mean, put Tyrod Taylor in there. What do you have to lose? Uh, Your rookie quarterback is what you have to lose. Okay, so you got to keep that in mind. I mean, you can say all these things, but your actions have to actually take over and they have to speak louder. But for Anthony Lynn, that's been the problem, the lack of action. 100%. I mean, it it sucks just to see him out there and obviously – we knew some of that was going to happen when your best option at left tackle going into this year was one of the worst right tackle and tackles in football last season. You knew there was going to be issues. I mean, we were kind of banging on the table here just saying like, is this really the plan? We're going to put Sam Tevy at left tackle. We're going to put Forrest Lamp at left guard, even though he hasn't really ever been able to stay on the field. And we're going to have Dan Feeney, who is a below average left guard, be the center of the future. I mean, it's just crazy to think of, you know, about how avoidable to some degree this was and the fact that it wasn't addressed going into the season. And now it's culminating in your franchise quarterback just getting destroyed back there. But we do have one more segment to get into because I do want to talk about these last four games and what we can see from this team, what is to be gained from these last four games going down the stretch of the season. But first, if you guys want to break through that wall at the end of your day, like the Patriots defensive lineman broke through the Chargers offensive line, I have the best thing for you, and it's Built Go from the creators of Built Bar. This is an energy supplement that is meant to get you through that wall at the end of the day. It's easy to take in one-and-a-half-ounce packages, and it's like a five-hour energy drink without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's almost like having a monster energy or a rocks energy or something like that and getting all that caffeine, but you're not going to carry one of those in your pocket or put it in your briefcase or your golf bag. You can do that with Built Go, and it comes in three flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And right now, if you guys visit BuiltGo.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED, all caps, for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. All right, guys. Well, obviously, since we couldn't get into what went right this week, we had to find something else to do with this segment. And while we have all three of us here, I thought it would be important to look at what the Chargers can do over these last four games. And, John, I know this is something that you brought up to me as well as something we could potentially use this segment for. But first, before we get into, you know, 
what players we're looking at to prove themselves or whatever the case may be down the stretch. I first just want to ask you guys this. So, John, I'll start with you. Obviously, if it was up to us, I think all three of us would probably have Anthony Lynn gone before the end of the season. So I don't think we really have to talk about that. But now that he is going to be the coach for seemingly the next four games, do you think that there's anything he can do in the eyes of ownership or Tom Telesco, whoever's going to be making this decision in the offseason, to somehow keep his job in 2021? Well, if you're talking about ownership and Telesco, probably win the last four and win them convincingly. It, this ownership tends to find ways to say, oh, you know, he looked like he had a run right there. He, we might have a good future going on here. He has a new quarterback, and they'll probably make the excuse of COVID and say he looked kind of like we turned a corner. We're going to keep him. So I feel like if Lynn was to win the last four games of the season, it might actually be a bad thing for the Chargers if they won. <laughs> that's that's just the way I feel. I mean, in more ways than one, it would be a bad thing for them, especially, I mean, logically speaking, once you're out of playoff contention, I, you want to see these guys rally together and get some wins, but it's not going to help their draft pick. It's not going to ensure that Anthony Lynn gets fired any more than a 45-0 to loss to the Patriots is. And for me, David, I know there's a lot of excuses to be made. You didn't have an offseason. You've had a ton of injuries to guys like Drew Tranquil and Derwin James. There's so many things you can look at. I mean, a rookie quarterback, but I mean, if you knew you were going to get this kind of play out of a rookie quarterback, I think you'd still hope to be better than 3-9. and nine. But really, what all I'm saying is, is this ownership, this front office could make excuses for Anthony Lynn to try to, you know, extend him one more season if things go great down the stretch. Do you think that still is a possibility, even if they go 4-0, that he keeps his job? I don't know if I see it as a possibility. I think the Chargers are, are going to let him go at the end of the season. I think they were already kind of hesitant after last season when they only gave him a one-year extension. I mean, there's not really a lot of money tied into that. And, you know, with coaching contracts, it's not like huge big money unless you're, you know, <laughs> John Gurdon with the <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything that Anthony Lynn can do here towards the end of this stretch to keep his job. I mean, the only thing I can think of is if, you know, the Chargers organization uses all of those excuses that you talked about, you know, as a way to say, okay, well, we're going to give him a mulligan and give him another opportunity. I think that would be the wrong, wrong way to do things. But I mean, we've seen the Chargers organization befuddle so many different situations over the last, you know, 50, 60 years of their existence, not to be a little bit hesitant that they're actually going to make the right decision and let him go at the end of the year. I mean, well, I would, then it is would, a possibility still then. I mean, you're saying it's unlikely, but I mean, you're totally, you're not totally closing the door on it either. I'm not closing the door on it just because we know how the Chargers operate. I, I mean, that know, makes it a possibility, buddy. They, they're saying yeah. that it is possible. So, John, what yeah, were you going to say? It's possible. I just don't want to see it. I, I kind of find it weird that the ownership could make those excuses because I think there's a good chance they could. But if you look at all the other teams in the league, the Steelers were 11 and 0 at one point until they lost to, you know, the football team. I had to stop <laughs> myself and make sure I said the football team. I called that one fraud. <laughs> and you got the Patriots who despite all this are somehow still finding ways to win. The games mean they're at 500 despite a whole new system cuz they got a new QB. You got the 49ers who have all these injuries and yet their defensive coordinator still keeps them in games and still does pretty well. There's no excuse because everybody else is facing the same things. If you're not ready to get your team in position to win games regardless of injuries, 
regardless of the COVID situation, because every team had to go through it, you should be keeping your team ready and have backup plans. And if you don't have that, then you shouldn't be a, a head coach in NFL or NCAA. You should probably just be in the CFL, really, where you don't have to game plan as much because you have a big field that you can find a way to make talent work. Yeah, and I don't want to get too bogged down in this because I do think there's a lot of players who have a lot to lose on the line too. So getting into you know basically who you guys think has the most to prove going down the season. So, David, when you're looking at questions about guys that you have for the last four games of the season, who are the ones that really stand out to you? Yeah, so a couple things I want to see happen in these last four games is I want to see Kenneth Murray build on his development. I mean, he had his best game as a professional against the Patriots, albeit in a you know record-setting blowout, but he was all over the field. And you know, one thing that we've been wanting to see more of is you know him rushing the quarterback. We saw him get after the quarterback, and he actually got a sack in this one, which is his first as a professional. That's something I'd like to see continue going forward. And then I just want to see Justin Herbert get back on track too, get back on his rookie of the year track. The last couple of games hasn't been his best, but I want to see him get back on track to end the year again, especially against the AFC West. Yeah, I mean the Chargers. <laughs> If they lose out to the rest of the AFC West and go 0-12 in two seasons, I mean, that would be something pretty spectacular. Uh, John, who are you looking for? I mean, when I'm looking at this, I see guys that, you know, have legitimate chances to come back or not come back or to at least, you know, grasp onto positions before this, whoever's running the front office goes into this offseason and starts looking at potential replacements. So I think when you're looking at that, you know, guys like Nuwosu, because Ingram has been out, guys like... Jerry Tillery, can he be an every-down player? Hunter Henry, the connection between him and Herbert, is that going to pick up over these last four games? Because coming off a one-catch game for Hunter Henry, I think that's a legitimate question. So I do think there's a lot of players with a lot to prove, and that isn't even really talking about the offensive line. It's also the fact that you're going to be getting rid of some somebody as well. Like You're going to get rid of Ingram probably. I, don't, I highly doubt they're going to bring him back. Do you have his replacement on the roster? You know, is Nwosu the next guy? You need to find that out over these last four games. Is Tillery that guy? You got to. You, these are things you got to figure out. And then, when it comes to the offensive line, move the guys around a little bit, put them in different positions. See if you have any type of way to keep those guys. Could they be depth, or could they? Could you maybe figure out that Forrest Lamp's a better center? I'm not saying put Lamp at center, but like if you put someone in a different position, all of a sudden they flourish. Now you just figured out that you were using the guy the wrong way and it might save you money in the offseason. But you you had another one, which is Herbert and Henry. They haven't really connected very well this year. Herbert's done way better with Keenan and Mike Williams and even Donald Parham, really, than he has Hunter Henry. So you got to figure out a way to get those guys to work because Hunter Henry is going to be a pretty hefty price tag. And if he and Herbert don't work well together you got to figure out a way to find a tight end that does work with him. Yeah, and that's the kind of frustrating thing just because you know those two have a good relationship with each other. He's targeted him, I mean, not as much in the last game, but he has targeted him a lot. And behind Hunter Henry, as Daniel Popper talked about, you just don't have much. You have Steven Anderson, who's been you know, a key issue on special teams, and he's not doing anything offensively. And you also have Donald Parham, who has shown he can catch the jump ball, had one catch that wasn't in the end zone, which was shocking to see in the last game against the Patriots. But it's hard to you know rest all of your tight end depth with that guy, and that is you know two tight ends, you know Donald Parham and Steven Anderson, that you know for sure could be back next year, and potentially not even them. I mean, that's a pretty risky situation. I would also say that Trey Turner has a big cap hit, 
coming up next season? Is he going to be worth that number? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to bring back some of this offensive line because you're not going to probably be able to come away with five, you know, or even three starters in one off season. Maybe you are, but then where's the depth behind that? It's such a hard rebuild for the offensive line, but Trey Turner, Dan Feeney, Forrest Lamp, Sam Tevy is another guy. I mean, all these guys have a lot to prove. Trey Pipkins hasn't developed, I don't think, as fast as they wanted to because it's getting hard to justify that pick. So I think there's a lot to be proven on the offensive line. I think that special teams-wise, if you are a player that gets a chance, you have a chance to make a good impression to come back again next year by making some great special teams plays, especially on a team that's so bad at it. So I just think there is so much to gain from these last four games. I think, you know, these guys are playing for their jobs. These coaches are coaching for their jobs. And I mean, if you don't see that kind of urgency going forward, I mean, you didn't see any last weekend. I mean, it's not going to be interesting to just see which coaches come back next season. It'll also be interested, interesting to see what players come back. Because if some of these guys keep playing as poorly as they are, they're definitely not making them any money after this season. But We'll be here with you. <laughs> we'll be here for the last four games, knowing nothing can good, nothing good can come out of it. And we'll be back after every heartbreaking loss and after every surprising win. But that is going to be it for today's show. Tomorrow we have some voicemails that we want to get into. We might try to find some different topics as far as the future for this team as well. If we don't get enough voicemails, if you guys want to get in on tomorrow's show. There is still space. The number is 323-524-7924 if you want to get on the Locked On Chargers voicemail line. If you don't already, make sure to also go follow us on Twitter at Locked On LAC and to like the Facebook page of Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can get the Locked On Chargers podcast there. And make sure to subscribe just so you can get the show as fast and easy as possible. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow to let you guys vent in our voicemail session. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.